the main thing simply was the passion. It was a very important thing to try and sort out and resolve. And of course, the interesting thing really was that it wasn't that side A or side B were right or wrong. It actually turned out that there was a completely different explanation. Welcome to Polar Podcasts, where you'll hear stories from geologists who've spent their careers, their lives, exploring and studying the remarkable and remote geology of Greenland. Why did they become fascinated with Greenland? What were the problems and the discoveries that drove them? And what was it like working in these remote places where few people venture, even now? I'm Julie Holtz. In this episode, we hear more from Alan Nutman, Professor of Geology at the University of Wollongong in Australia, about how his mapping work together with Vic McGregor and Clark Friend led to the beginnings of a model for how the ancient rocks in the Nuuk region were formed as a series of distinct small continents that collided with each other about 2.7 billion years ago. So in 1984, I was up here, and part of the reason for that was there was a very, very big controversy going on in geology at that time. This sort of geology is, should one believe what expert field geologists are doing, or should you believe what the isotope geochemists are telling us? Because there were some rocks down in a Marilic fjord at a place called Kangimut Samisok, where Vic McGregor, I guess along with myself and Clark actually, we believed that these particular rocks were some of the very ancient rocks in the area called the Mitsoknices, based on their field characteristics. On the other hand, isotope geochemists from Oxford, Stephen Moorbath and Paul Taylor, they were presenting isotopic evidence to show that actually these rocks were much younger. So there was, if you like, a complete divide of diametrically opposed views about what the field geologists were saying and also what the isotope geologists were saying. So we decided actually to go back and look at this completely from scratch. So that was the idea in 1984, but for those of you around in West Greenland in 1984 will realise what a horrible summer it was. So once we'd started that particular work, we had, I think, only one complete working day out of a component which we'd reserved for that work about three weeks. We had one day when it was actually workable for the whole day. There was also another problem was that there was a very large amount of sea ice came up the west coast so that even around Faringahar and Nordafar and all around there, all the bays and so on were clogged with sea ice, uh, which had come up from the south. And I have memories of being on Vic's boat in those particular situations where we would be basically in a little inlet because we didn't want to be dealing with very big bits of ice. And sometimes we'd have a a rope across between the inlet, you see, and then we'd be moving the boat from side to side to let 
the sort of icebergs past. So we spent some nights sort of doing that kind of thing, which for this area here is just extraordinarily um, unusual. But what we actually found in the little time available to us was what we might call for the non-geologists some kind of previously unrecognized great divide in the geology. And this went the first step in resolving this great difference of opinion between earth scientists with different backgrounds and skills. So what it turned out was that these rocks that we originally thought were a particular um, example of the very old rocks, they were on the other side to this previously unrecognized great divide from where all of the completely agreed on and recognized old rocks occurred. They were actually just simply something completely unrelated, but looked very much like the recognized old rocks. So that was the start of the modernization of the geology of the Nook region, where one began to really develop plate tectonic scenarios for the evolution of the geology. Plate tectonics is where unrelated bits of the earth crusts are moving around laterally relative to each other, sometimes spreading apart with new oceans appearing in between, sometimes crashing together to build mountain belts. For example, what is happening now where India is still crashing into the rest of Eurasia. So we started to recognize there's several of these, shall we say, fundamental great divides in the Nuke region, which represent collisional zones between different chunks of continental crust. So that was the first inkling that we went away with in 1984. 1985, we knew we actually had to do a lot more detailed work. And at that stage, we were no longer being supported by the Greenland Survey. We had no grants. So actually in 1985, Clark and myself, we funded our own fieldwork. Basically, a little bit of support with Vic and his boat. Out of the Greenland Survey's kindness of heart, we did actually have a Zodiac with an outboard motor lent to us, which we're very grateful for because the area that we chose to work on because of our limited resources meant that we had to choose coastal area where we could get around easily and we chose the area around Faringahau and Nordafar because that's where actually we had uh, realized this so-called Great Divide was passing through the Faringahau and Nordafar area. It's a sort of flat-lying area of of irregular peninsulas and large clusters of islands a fairly short distance south of Nuuk. So that provided an ideal place to actually start to develop and investigate this new vision of the of the geology. At that stage I was not married and uh, didn't have other financial or, or personal responsibilities so from that perspective money I had was to dispose entirely as I wanted to. But the main thing simply was the passion. We saw this this divide between 
the field geologists and the the emergence of the isotope geochemist, it was a very important thing to try and sort out and resolve. And of course, the interesting thing really was that it wasn't that side A or side B were right or wrong. It actually turned out that there was a completely different explanation. With that explanation being that things could be explained by a previously unrecognized feature in the geology, in recognizing this uh, great divide. Just because you've got bits of the oldest rocks in one terrain, it does not mean they have to match the age of the bits of the oldest rocks in another terrain. And that really was the great importance of recognizing these initially very cryptic divisions in the geology. They are literally in some places no more than one or two meters wide. So particularly in regional mapping projects, uh, they can actually be quite easily missed. In 1984, we had anchored in bottom of Prestefjord and we thought we're looking for this boundary, geological boundary. It already should be in there. By our reckoning, if we walk in from the head of Prestefjord about five kilometers, we should come across it. So we kept on walking, walking along the valley, no sign. And then eventually we came to a river that one actually couldn't just hop across the boulders. One would actually need to get yourself wet to go across. And Clark and myself said to each other, oh, you know, we've been testing this model. We should have come across it by now but we haven't, we should really turn back. And I remember Vic said, oh, you just don't want to get yourself wet, do you? Upon which I took off my trousers, marched through the river, stood there and then marched back and said, it's nothing to do about getting wet. We think that we've run out of testing this uh, model. And then on that walk back, I remember Clark said a very, very important thing. He said, what if the boundary is folded? because previously we had recognized that it was passing through the sort of Faringahan area where it's actually straight. And we've been trying to follow it as if it was completely straight everywhere. And Clark said, you know, what if it's folded? And that was a magic moment. One was no longer looking for just simply straight, great divides which cut across the country, but ones that wiggle across the countryside. And that meant that the search took on a different perspective. So what we decided to do then was there was a centre of a fold on the plateau on the north side of Books of Fjorden, where if our model was right, the Great Divide would actually run round the shape of that fold up on the plateau. So what we did, we sailed round into the head of uh, Books of Fjorden, and then we scaled the thousand metres to get up to the top of the plateau and then a bit of a walk in and lo and behold we found the boundary of granulite fasces on one side. Which means that the rocks contained minerals that showed they had been to temperatures above about 750 degrees celsius deep in the earth's crust. The great divide and then amphibolite fasces rocks on the other side 
which means that the rocks contained different minerals, showing that they had been to significantly lower temperatures and therefore were from a different, shallower part of the Earth's crust. Showing that the Great Divide was folded. During those years in Canada coming back to Greenland, along with Clark Friend and Vic McGregor, we continued to develop this terrain model, spreading it out from this little tiny area around in Feringhaan Fjord, where we'd done detailed mapping first of all, and then extending it with complete stupidity throughout the whole of the Nuuk region. Why was it stupid? Because we were three people with almost no logistical support, and there was almost no geochronology in the area at that time. Meaning that very few of the rocks had been dated, which would have made it much easier to interpret the geology. There was just a few, very few dates spotted around, and because of that, one had to rely a lot more on the appearance of gneisses. One thing which is particularly important in geology is to actually know the age of a rock. Zircon is a mineral. It takes in uranium, which of course then decays to lead. So these little crystals actually act as a little chronometer in the rock. So besides having a very strong focus on the field geology and the mapping, my other speciality is actually the dating of geological events by using the zircon crystals. When we next hear from Alan Nutman, he talks more about his career as a geochronologist and his role in the discovery of some of the world's oldest rocks. I'm Julie Hollis, and you've been listening to Polar Podcasts. In the next episode, we hear more from Emeritus Senior Scientist Niels Henriksen about geological mapping in remote western North Greenland in the mid-1980s.